Welcome to the Climate Report on Forward Radio, WFMP, 106.5 FM, Louisville. This is Hart Hagen, your host, and we are on episode number 147. Today's topic is the DSA's Green New Deal, Part 4. So DSA is Democratic Socialists of America. It's not a political party. It is a political grassroots organization that has uh, some affiliation with Bernie Sanders and Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, but they're not affiliated with any party. They're willing to you know, support and endorse people in different parties that they feel you know, match their policy proposals and their policy priorities. You can find out more about the DSA at dsausa.org. So the DSA drafted a Green New Deal earlier this year. And sometimes people ask me what the Green New Deal is. And it's not any one law or any one proposals. In fact, it's a family of proposals that's designed to completely transform our society, culture, and government. And it's designed to transform us into a society where the people have a fundamentally new deal with government. There's a fundamentally new relationship with government. There's a fundamentally new relationship with business. There's even a fundamentally new relationship with media because government, business, and media are three institutions that have let us down. They're just not doing their job right now. The government is supposed to have an implied covenant or promise to work for the benefit of the people. Doesn't mean we all agree, but they're supposed to be representing the 99%. They're not supposed to be representing the 1% over and against the interests of the 99%. Furthermore, business has fundamentally broken its promises. So business purports to be like the engine of growth and business purports to, uh, there's, there's supposed to be this free market system where if we just let business run free and not shackle it with burdensome regulations, then business will thrive and some of that benefit will trickle down to the rest of us. But none of that is even remotely working today. You know, also business wants us to believe that, hey, man, it's a live and let live world. You leave us alone, we'll leave you alone. It's a free country. If you don't like what we do, you don't have to buy what we sell. Will you leave us alone, we'll leave you alone. But they're not leaving us alone. They are jeopardizing our very existence. And I don't have a problem with small local business. I I do have a problem with these corporate behemoths that want to run our entire world. The fossil fuel companies, the agribusiness companies. The agribusiness companies want to destroy all the biodiversity. They they have these genetically modified organisms that are self-terminating so that the farmers have to buy the genetically modified seeds year after year. It is a mess. And 
So our agribusiness, our agriculture is organized around the needs and interests of the 1%, not organized around the needs and interests of the 99% who, guess what? We want a sustainable planet. We want a planet where biodiversity is preserved, not destroyed. Uh, so all of these ways in which big corporations are responsible for destroying biodiversity. They're responsible for making weapons we don't need. They're responsible for polluting the water, polluting the air, uh, impacting the climate in a way that is completely unsustainable. Business has not kept any of its fundamental or implied promises to us, so we need a fundamentally new deal with business, and it needs to be a green new deal it needs to be a sustainable new deal it needs to be a just new deal similarly media has not kept any of its promises media is supposed to be they're supposed to be truth tellers we don't expect them to be completely objective but we do expect them to not systematically lie to us, and as the media is now, the for-profit commercial media, they are systematically lying to us. And usually these lies are lies of omission. It's what they do not tell us that really matters. But the media, they're advancing this narrative that says, you know, business is good or at least tolerable, that business is the engine of growth. Uh, they, they, what they do not tell us is the story that really matters. So, for example, when Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez gets into office, then the story becomes how are the mainstream Democrats responding to her and how are the Republicans responding to her. The real story is here is somebody who was elected without corporate donations and elected by the people of her district because she represents the needs interests and concerns of the people of her district. That's why she was elected against her opponent, uh, Crowley. What's Crowley's first name? Joe Crowley. That's why AOC was elected versus Joe Crowley, because she represented the people. She's talking to the concerns of her people. She was outspent 10 to 1, and she won Anyway, that rarely happens. It doesn't even happen in 1% of our elections. It's a big story, but the media doesn't get that this is not about American royalty. It's not a, a story about the powerful and the privileged. It's a story about how people are overcoming concentrated power against all odds that is the story and but that is the story that you're not hearing from the mainstream media that is an example of how they are systematically lying to us by ignoring the real narrative and advancing a concocted contrived narrative so business media and government have all broken their fundamental promises to us. We need a fundamentally new 
deal and it needs to be a green new deal, a sustainable new deal, a fair and just new deal. And that's what the Climate Report is all about. This program is part of WFMP's Public Affairs Educational Programming. The views expressed are those of the speaker and not the station. If you have any comments, questions, or feedback, please email info at theclimatereport.net. Also, if you like this content and want more of the same, I invite you to go to theclimatereport.net where you can get more podcast episodes, more playlists, you can get videos, and also blog posts. And don't forget to email info at theclimatereport.net with any questions that you may have or any comments or feedback. Now let's continue reading the DSA's version of the Green New Deal. Future generations are entitled to a beautiful planet with a vibrant natural world that can sustain a good life for all people. Now, let me bounce off of that just a minute. So here's an example of the untold story that I was referring to. When the media doesn't tell the real story, they're telling false stories and they're ignoring the real story. So this sentence here in DSA's Green New Deal says, Future generations are entitled to a beautiful planet with a vibrant natural world that can sustain a good life for all people. One of the most important transformations we need to make is a transition from agribusiness to small local organic farms. Because agribusiness, they, they plow up a bunch of land. You don't need to plow up all this land to grow actual food. Uh, you, it, you know, but they plow up all this land. It causes a lot of erosion. It causes a lot of water pollution. Uh, they use lots of insecticides, which are killing off our pollinators. One of the main reasons why insects have declined by 75% in the last 40 years by conservative estimates. And then they use this fertilizer that is made out of petroleum products. And the fertilizer... The, you know, the fertilizer and the inputs, it takes 10 calories or more to raise one calorie of food. It takes 10 calories of energy to raise one calorie of food. That is a very inefficient system. In addition to all the pollution it causes. Plus, a lot of this system is dedicated to cheap processed food that is not very nutritional. It's profitable, but it's not nutritional. Compare that with uh, small local organic farms. Now, I am not an expert on organic farming, but I would wager this. I would wager that that I know people who use an acre or two to grow most of the food that a family needs for an entire year. It's nutritious food. It's locally grown food. It is, it is tasty. It, there, are, there is a variety of food. So I would also wager that even in an urban area, 
you can, if, if the people of Louisville, for example, set their minds to it, we could, within the, con, within the borders of our county, grow most of the food we need right here. Doesn't mean we can't import anything, but we need to, for the sake of reducing our carbon footprint and reducing pollution and not killing off all of our pollinators, we need to uh, transition to a system where we grow most of our food right here. You know, some of that can be on fruit trees. Why are there not fruit trees outside your window? Why are there not fruit trees outside my window? There need to be you know, fruit trees and, and bushes that bear fruit, things like pawpaws. <laughs> Uh, pawpaws called an Indiana banana. And service berries, a native Kentucky bush. Service berries are edible. And you know you can grow your tomatoes and your squash and you can grow beans and lentils. And that's how we need to be growing our, our foods. And another thing about that is that that is a system where we're not killing off all of our insects. It's a, you know, you know, Pesticides are neurotoxins. The, the pesticides that we use to kill insects are, were originally dry, derived from the nerve gas that was used in World War I. It has a negative impact on human health, and we don't need to have an agribusiness system where we are essentially making war on our pollinators, making war on our insects, making war on all living things, making war on our birds because birds need insects to complete their life cycle. So we could, if we chose to, have food production systems that are supportive of nature instead of destructive of nature. Agribusiness is fundamentally destructive of nature Small, local, organic farms and gardens are fundamentally supportive of nature. And that's what comes to mind for me when I read this sentence in the DSA's Green New Deal where it says, Future generations are entitled to a beautiful planet with a vibrant natural world that can sustain a good life for all people. We need to have more locally grown, nutritious food and less highly processed, chemically treated, toxic processed food. Continuing to read, creating a fully ecological society will require a revolutionary transformation to replace the capitalist social order based on exploitation and oppression with a new society based on cooperation, equity, and justice. So I've been reluctant in the past to categorically criticize capitalism. Because for one thing, the word capitalism means different things to different people. And I think we need small business people on our side. I don't think we need to have an adversarial relationship with small business people. But I also think that we need to fundamentally question and indeed denounce this system where profit means everything. Profit 
is the sole determining factor for whether you produce a product. Profit is the sole determining factor for whether you hire a person or not. We need to get away from profit as the sole determining factor for whether we have a product or whether we hire a person to perform a service. It is, it, when I think of oil companies that exist solely for profit, when I think of agribusiness companies that exist solely for profit, when I think of media companies that exist solely for, pro, for profit, when I think of restaurant corporations that exist solely for profit, that is a formula for exploitation. It's exploitation of labor. It's exploitation of the environment. And irrespective of whether we are, you know, whether, irrespective of how we define capitalism or irrespective of how we define socialism, we need to get to a place where we are making many more of our decisions collectively. Because we, when it comes to things that impact climate, we need to be making those decisions collectively. Currently, the decisions that impact climate are primarily made in boardrooms of multinational corporations. And that is a formula for adverse impact on the climate. We are losing control of the climate because the things that impact climate, the decisions that impact climate, are made in boardrooms of rich, privileged people. And they're not made by the people whom these decisions impact. We need to make, be making more of our decisions collectively and democratically. We need to have a federal government where our elected officials are elected primarily by votes and by the way people feel and not by corporate donors. We need state and local governments that are truly democratic and free from the influence of big money. We need to have businesses and workplaces that are where the decisions are much, 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 much more democratic and much less autocratic. There are, as it is now, there are very few business entities in America where decisions are made democratically. Almost all decisions are made autocratically. And that is a formula for bad decisions. It's a formula for pollution. It's a formula for toxic products. And it's a formula for exploitation. This is America. Our country was founded on one of the guiding principles we're taught, one of the guiding principles for how our government was organized is that you shouldn't put too much hand too much power in too few hands that's why we have the separation of powers etc that's why we have three branches of government that's why we have a federal government and state government and local government because you don't want to put too much power in too few hands 
But the business world, especially the big corporations and the billionaires, have maneuvered themselves into positions where they have almost perfect control over who gets elected. That is a lot of power being concentrated in a very few hands. That is not democracy. So some people, especially those that consider themselves conservative uh, and libertarian and those who are on the right and those who are Republican, they think business can do no harm. They are much more suspicious of democratic power than they are of corporate power. I, personally, speaking for Hart Hagen, am much more suspicious of corporate power because it's too much power in too few hands. Too much power in too few hands is the power to pollute. Too much power in too few hands is the power to make war. Too much power in too few hands is the power to enact trade deals which only benefit the very rich and only benefit multinational corporations and at, at the expense of 99% of us. That's too much power in too few hands. So this sentence that we just read in the DSA Green New Deal says, we need to replace a capitalist social order based on exploitation and oppression with a society based on cooperation, equity, and justice. Right now we have a whole lot more exploitation and oppression and not nearly enough cooperation, equity, and justice because we have put too much power in too few hands. And the solution to that is to disempower the big corporations. For one thing, they need to be broken up. For one thing, they need to be regulated so that they cannot pollute. The, the banks need to be broken up and replaced with small, either locally owned or publicly owned banks. These big banks don't provide a useful service to society. The big banks are parasitic. The big restaurant corporations are parasitic. For example, Raj Patel, very good author and speaker, I recommend him, R-A-J-P-A-T-E-L, Raj Patel, says that a $5 hamburger doesn't really cost $5, it costs more like $200. And I don't know how those calculations are made but I do know that if hamburgers are made in such a way that we're you know, poisoning the water, poisoning the soil, poisoning the air, and deforesting uh, the, the entire planet, and killing off pollinators and, and insects and other wild animals that need the forest as habitat, then the cost of a hamburger cannot be calculated if that's what we're doing. But even if the cost of a $5 hamburger is really, let's say, let's pick something really conservative. If a, the true cost of a $5 hamburger is $20, then why are we letting them do that? That's $15 that they're stealing 
if a $5 hamburger, if the true cost of a $5 hamburger is really $20, which is a tenth of what Raj Patel says is the true cost of a hamburger, then McDonald's is stealing $15 from everybody else. How do we let them get away with that? That's another reason why I call the free market is a fraud. The free market is gives rich people and corporations the opportunity and the license to steal on a large scale. Continuing to read. A Green New Deal must serve as a bridge toward this future. To that end, we, we support the resolutions introduced by Representative Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez in the House and Senate Ed Markey, Senator Ed Markey in the Senate, while recognizing that they are conversation starters, not complete and adequate blueprints. I agree with that. In other words, the congressional version of the Green New Deal, it, it's good, but it's at best it is a conversation starter. Continuing to read, their proposals are facing fierce opposition from corporate politicians, such as Mitch McConnell, uh, such as Chuck Schumer, such as Nancy Pelosi. All these corporate politicians are actively opposing the Green New Deal. So, continuing to read, their proposals are facing fierce opposition from corporate politicians and nervous ridicule from Wall Street pundits. But the opportunity to campaign for a radical and effective Green New Deal remains in our hands. Comments by the Climate Justice Alliance and the Indigenous Environmental Network advance the vision of what a Green New Deal rooted in a truly just transition should look like. Continuing to read, the radical Green New Deal we need will not be introduced in a single bill or resolution. It can only emerge from the grassroots struggles of working people and social movements. Now, I've got a couple minutes left. I want to leave you with something to think about. So this sentence we just read used the word radical. Now, radical is one of those words that has been given a bad name. Why? Because radical is what the establishment does not like. The establishment politicians, the establishment media, the establishment educational system has the power to redefine words so that What's good looks bad. So the word radical sometimes triggers people's fear of change or these radicals. It makes it look sound like people are going to be rioting in the streets. But I like what Michael Parenti says. He says, reality is radical. Reality is radical. If you know reality, then you become radical. If you know reality, then you become radicalized. If you know the true nature of the system that we have, you become radicalized. If you know the true 
nature and extent of pollution caused by profiteers, then you become radicalized. If you know the true nature and extent of the poison in our air and water because of fossil fuel companies, then you become radicalized. If you know the history behind these big companies and the political system they've created, then you know that no small amount of murder has been committed by our government and by other governments of the world and by private armies because they are going to bat for these multinational profiteers. If you care about justice, that will radicalize you. If you care about the future, that will radicalize you. And that's about all I have to say about that. So that last point was kind of heavy, but you know we can have fun with the stuff, and in so doing, we have the opportunity to create a whole new world. Thanks for joining me. Hope you'll come back next time. Bye now.